Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy... This was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, September 1st, 2022, the 589th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to this podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator dot substack dot com. And you'll get it for free a couple days later if you don't want to do that or you can't do that right now. But if you want to support me and the work I do and this show as it expands, I'm your moderator.substack.com. Tonight, the fake president, Joe Biden, is going to give a primetime address from Philadelphia about the soul of the nation. Joe Biden is going to represent the soul of the nation. Joe Biden, who was mentored in politics by a Klan leader named Robert Byrd for decades, is going to give us a speech about the soul of the nation. 
Joe Biden, who said, if you don't vote for him, you ain't black, who said, you don't need to vote for me. I need your support after I'm elected. Joe Biden, who said, it's not who votes, it's who counts the votes. That Joe Biden is going to give a speech about the soul of the nation. Joe Biden, who continues to lie about what happened on January 6th, he said yesterday that police officers were killed at the very violent insurrection. But that's not true. Joe Biden, who pretends that Republicans were telling the big lie about the fact that he stole the 2020 election, that Joe Biden, the Joe Biden who is pushing for open borders and enabling a slave trade at the southern border, that Joe Biden is going to give a speech about the soul of the nation. The Joe Biden who continues to put American taxpayers on the hook for billions and billions of dollars to support a war that we aren't involved with otherwise. Supporting actual Nazis who have been trained by our Central Intelligence Agency, which is part of the same global order promoting Joe Biden, the fake president. Joe Biden, who has forced and coerced medical experimentation, not only on the citizens of this nation to keep their jobs and keep their places in society, but also on children. That Joe Biden is going to give a speech about the soul of the nation. Joe Biden, the fake president who wants to expand the Supreme Court so he can codify a right to abortion, that Joe Biden is going to give a speech about the soul of the nation. And I know we've talked about how abortion is going to be such a big issue going into the fall, such a big issue that Democrats are just going to come out in massive numbers. They're going to just mob the polls to make sure that no ultra MAGA candidates can ever get in. Except also Reuters Ipsos just published a poll yesterday about the most important problems facing America. Abortion rights, the end of abortion rights is how they phrased it. That was 5%. 5% of Americans think that that is the most important problem facing America. 11% of Democrats, those special people, but 2% of Republicans and 3% of independents agree that the end of abortion rights is the biggest, most important problem facing America. Oh, what an issue. That'll have them coming out of the woodwork to vote for Democrat candidates just all around the country. That's going to spark the blue wave. And oh, yeah, there was that special election in the Hudson Valley in New York, a place that Republicans always win and a Democrat won. Can you believe it? New York doesn't even have election fraud. Oh, wait. Yes, they do. An extraordinary election fraud problem in New York, but their proof of Democrats on the march is winning a special election in an election fraud state. Wow, wow, wow. They won't debate MAGA candidates and no one wants to campaign with Joe Biden, but sure, blue wave inbound. So to support that blue wave, they also have to make Republicans and Trump supporters extra, extra evil. So that's why Joe Biden is going to go out tonight and give a speech about the soul of the nation. And of course, the White House press corps had to ask questions of Corinne Jean-Pierre, 
yesterday in the White House press room, and they helped her set up this speech. So let's listen to Karine Jean-Pierre for a second as she describes the real moral ills in our culture. So I'll say this, Nancy. Sadly, there are more examples than I can count on how we have seen recently um, armed attacks on federal law enforcement. There are a couple of things I just want to say here. You have Representative Paul Gosara has posted videos depicting him attacking the president and members of Congress. You have Representative Majority Majority, uh, Taylor Greene has publicly expressed support for shooting prominent Democratic elected officials and suggesting physically assaulting transgender school officials. You have Representative Madison Cawthorn has said falsely, if our election systems continue to be rigged and continue to be stolen, then it's going to lead to one place and that's bloodshed. And just last week, you had Governor Ron DeSantis suggested that Dr. Fauci should be physically assaulted. And former President Trump has done the same many, many times. Look, and many of your colleagues have actually talked about and reported on this dangerous trend that we're seeing. And uh, for example, the New York Times headline from this month, as right-wing rhetoric escalates, so do threats and violence. And so these are things that we have to call out. Uh, again, I was talking, I can't remember who just asked me the question, I was talking about Soul of the Nation, something the president has talked about since 2017, when he wrote that article in The Atlantic. And he's called it out then. He called it out January 6th. He called it out Inauguration Day. He called it out last week. He called it out yesterday. So there has been a consistent um, uh, call out from the president about what he's seeing from an extreme part of, of this party, of the Republican Party. And historians, I would argue, would, would say the same. There are more examples than she can count of armed attacks on federal law enforcement. Okay, Kareen, count more than one, okay? I'm not sure how good you are at counting, but you've got the FBI shooter from two weeks ago that you guys have completely forgotten about. He attacked a building with a nail gun. I mean, at this point, it's worth asking if he was just a construction worker they started shooting at. But they tried that. What else are they talking about? I can remember a whole lot of attacks against federal officers in the summer of 2020, especially in Portland, where they attacked a federal courthouse for over 100 straight nights. There were definitely attacks on federal law enforcement back there. In fact, people were trying to blind them by shining little laser pointers in their eye and they were freezing water bottles so that they could pelt the officers with them like bricks. They were throwing canned food at them. They were throwing bags of human feces at them. And our very moral friends and neighbors went along and justified and rationalized all that. Oh, this is how we fix racism. Don't you understand? And Paul Gosar released a meme cartoon that is apparently the same as wanting to attack Joe Biden. Marjorie Taylor Greene said something mean on Twitter. I guess that justifies trans activists swatting her house. Ron DeSantis said that Anthony Fauci, that little elf, 
should be tossed into the Potomac. That is not encouraging Anthony Fauci to be assaulted. That's hilarious. And Joe Biden is going to repeat many of the things he said in an August 27th, 2017 article in The Atlantic. And I'm going to get to that article in just a second. But Corinne Jean-Pierre said something really interesting at the end of the clip. She said she believes historians will record it the same way. Now, I just wrote about this phenomenon a few weeks ago, and it was called The Sides of History. And I just recorded that and put it out on Saturday of this past week. Everybody who listens on Rumble or a free platform will get that on Monday, September 5th. But in that, I talked about Orwell and the common refrain that history will be written by the winners. Well, history is always written by the winners because the winners are always the class of people in power. And when you want to hold on to history and maintain history, you begin to control the information about history, about the present and about the future, and control the narrative about all of it, so that no matter where anyone looks for information, the system in power, the groups in power, will be writing the history of those periods, whether past, present, or future, and that history will be the history of them winning, the history of them always being on the right side of everything, rarely ever making mistakes, And that's exactly what we see in the propaganda media right now. They are trying to write a future history where the story of this time will be of us as the Nazis. You have to be able to see that coming. Joe Biden is calling us semi-fascists. This is why I wrote that. I've been talking about it and hinting around it, talking about the hate movement for years now. This is why this is what's coming. They are trying to prepare a future history where we were always evil and always wrong. We were racist and sexist and transphobic and Islamophobic and every other ist and ism and phobia you can possibly find that will be attributed to us. We will be the Nazis and the fascists. We will be the violent people who were always waging violence despite the fact that there is no political violence anywhere coming from the right. And in light of that, what is the purpose of Joe Biden's speech tonight? He is helping to write that history. He is giving what they will reimagine in the future as an historic speech tonight. This will be the speech that really creates that blue wave that sweeps them back into power. And they will finally be able to suppress this resistance, whether by force or any other means, because they won't care if they steal an election. And they imagine that they will be able to centralize all their power and then maintain their hold on that power. And once they've done that, then the history they're writing, the fake record of the present that they're currently constructing, will be that future history, and it won't be left up for dispute. The history will be written by the winners. They intend to win by any means necessary, and in the history they write, you will be evil. And this is the price we pay for not speaking out for ourselves ever.
right? Too worried about getting called a racist or a sexist or a transphobe or a homophobe or an Islamophobe or a science denier or a vax denier or a conspiracy theorist or a Trump supporter or a ultra MAGA person or God forbid a QAnon. You always just let them say it. And while people are saying these things, while the media is saying these things, while people at work are saying these things, we all pretend, oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm one of the good ones. I'll keep quiet. I won't say a word. I'll never make you uncomfortable. I promise. Just leave me alone and stop the beatings. I'm one of the good ones. You don't have to be upset with me. If you need me to tone it down a little bit, I'm happy to do so. I'm one of the good ones. But if you're one of the good ones, why don't you say, hey, I support that. Do you think I'm racist? Do you think I'm sexist? Do I seem like a homophobe or a transphobe or an Islamophobe? I'm happy to talk about the science. Am I a science denier? I'm happy to talk about the vaccine. Am I a vaccine denier? I'm happy to talk about Q. Am I a QAnon? I'm happy to support Trump. Am I all these terrible things? Because every time you say that about all of them and you say, oh, no, I'm one of the good ones. You don't believe that. You can't believe both sides of that. Either it is an identity characteristic and all of us are painted with it or it's not. And you need to force them to recognize that if you're not all those things, but you support all of the ideas that Trump supporters support. You're the one who's representative of that class of people to that person. You're probably the only one they know that actually thinks that stuff. So who are they calling racist and Nazi and fascist and the deniers and the conspiracy theorists and the QAnons? That's you. The threat is being made to you. You're not supposed to keep doing what you're doing or else you risk this person close to you in your life, a friend, a family member, a person at work. You're going to be labeled by them the way the rest of the people they don't know are labeled. They're assigning qualities and beliefs, all of them negative, all of them evil to an entire class of people they don't know. That's bigotry. And they're saying that you're one of the good ones because they don't want to make personal offense with you because then they might have to stand up for what they are saying and they are believing. But no, we'll just slink off in silence. Don't want to be beaten again. And they'll go on saying terrible things about everything you believe and you stand for. But don't worry, they're not insulting you. You're one of the good ones. Let's see what Joe Biden actually wrote in The Atlantic in 2017. Now, it's important to say there's no way Joe Biden actually wrote this, but it's his name as the author of this article, and it's a preview of what he's going to say tonight. So let's go through it. In January of 2009, I stood waiting in Wilmington, Delaware for a train carrying the first African-American elected president of the United States. Good old Scranton Joe, who's now Delaware Joe. 
always takes the train back and forth to Washington. It's part of the Joe Biden folklore, old regular Joe. And old Joe is very self-satisfied to talk about how he was the vice president under the first black president, Barack Hussein Obama. And Joe Biden said about Barack Hussein Obama when they were all running in the Democratic primary, I mean, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. Joe Biden's first sentence in his Soul of a Nation article is, I'm one of the good ones. Look at my black friend. I was there to join him as vice president on the way to a historic inauguration. It was a moment of extraordinary hope for our nation, but I couldn't help thinking about a darker time years before at that very site. My mind's eye drifted back to 1968. I could see the flames burning Wilmington, the violence erupting on the news of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination the federal troops taking over my city. Who assassinated Martin Luther King? I was living history and reliving it at the same time. And the images racing through my mind were a vivid demonstration that when it comes to race in America, hope doesn't travel alone. You see, hopey changey guy and I, we took the train together. That's just me and my black friend, we're just riding down the tracks together on the way to D.C. It's like the beginning of a 1980s sitcom, like The Odd Couple. I'm an old racist. He's a young black communist. I shower with my kids. He's gay. It's like the 80s, just totally updated. But sure, Joe Biden wrote, hope doesn't travel alone. It's shadowed by a long trail of violence and hate. In Charlottesville, that long trail emerged once again into plain view, not only for America, but for the whole world to see. The crazed, angry faces illuminated by torches. The chants echoing the same anti-Semitic bile heard across Europe in the 1930s. The neo-Nazis, Klansmen, and white supremacists emerging from dark rooms and remote fields and the anonymity of the web into the bright light of day on the streets of a historically significant American city. It's too bad the Patriot Front wasn't around during those times because he could have just added them in. I wonder if we're going to see the Patriot Front somewhere in the next week. If it wasn't clear before, it's clear now. We are living through a battle for the soul of this nation. The giant forward steps we have taken in recent years on civil liberties and civil rights and human rights are being met by a ferocious pushback from the oldest and darkest forces in America. Really, Joe? Your political mentor for decades in the Senate was a Klan leader named Robert Byrd who filibustered the Civil Rights Act with his Democratic colleagues. Joe, the Democratic Party 
is the party of the Klan. It's the party of slavery. It's the party of the Confederacy. It's the party of Jim Crow. And it's the party of decades-long urban decay in every city that Democrats hold control over. That's the Democratic Party, and they have not changed. There was no switcheroo. The Civil Rights Act did not create a switcheroo. Oh, look, all of a sudden, all of you guys are now the racists. And all of us, we are saving black people. But they did it, and they believe they've pulled it off. They have media on their side, and all of the propaganda of the entertainment industry. Now they have the tech companies. They have the academy the universities, all the little professors about race and gender, they write their brand new stories to replace all of the actual history. And one day the switcheroo will be complete. They'll have erased all that real history. Joe Biden will not be a man who was mentored by a Klansman or the guy who authored the 90s crime bill that everyone blames for the mass incarceration of black people and the collapse of black families and black communities. No, that won't be Joe Biden. That will have been us. Don't you see? In that future history, we'll be the ones responsible for all that. We'll be the ones who promoted the abortion of 40 million black babies. That'll be us. That's what the soul of the nation that Joe Biden's describing is going to be. Are we really surprised they rose up? Are we really surprised they lashed back? Oh, lashed like whipped. Do we really think they would be extinguished with a whimper rather than a fight? Did we think the charlatans and the con men and the false prophets who have long dotted our history wouldn't revisit us? Once again, prop up the immigrant as the source of all our troubles and look to prey on the hopelessness and despair that has grown up in the hollowed out cities and towns of Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania and the long forgotten rural stretches of West Virginia and Kentucky. Well, those places have been hollowed out because the communists that Joe Biden has served for all these many years have taken our manufacturing and moved it to China. You know, China, with the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party that has compromised Joe Biden through his illegal dealings there and through everything his son Hunter has done there. That Chinese Communist Party, that is what's responsible for the hollowing out of the industrial Midwest. And immigrants as the source of all our troubles no one believes that in MAGA. Absolutely no one believes that. We have an incredible range of troubles. The immigration thing just happens to be one of the most immoral and one of the easiest to solve. It also happens to be the sort of problem that any country would get mad at as their jobs are replaced with low-skilled, low-wage labor from foreign countries when there aren't enough jobs for Americans. It's not the immigrants' fault, and it's not the fault of immigration qua immigration. It's that illegal immigration exacerbates all the other problems and is an enormous slap in the face 
to American citizens who are being oppressed by the communist regime in power. We have fought this battle before, but today we have a special challenge. Today we have an American president who has publicly proclaimed a moral equivalency between neo-Nazis and Klansmen and those who would oppose their venom and hate. And that is absolutely not ever what Donald Trump said. He said there were very fine people on both sides in addition to the very, very terrible people on both sides. He said specifically, I'm not talking about neo-Nazis and white supremacists. But Joe Biden has carried on with that lie about that Trump soundbite for five years. He said it was the reason he campaigned for president. It wasn't anything else but that. Joe Biden just knew from his many years of being mentored by a Klansman that he was the only one who could solve the racial divide in the country that his party has been creating for centuries. The only institution of systemic racism in America is the Democrat Communist Party. We have an American president who has emboldened white supremacists with messages of comfort and support. This is a moment for the nation to declare what the president can't with any clarity, consistency or conviction. There is no place for these hate groups in America. Hatred of blacks, Jews, immigrants, all who are seen as the other won't be accepted or tolerated or given safe harbor anywhere in this nation. Unless, of course, they're black and then they can say all those things. Even if they're already celebrities, they won't even get canceled for saying those things. Wasn't it uh, Nick Cannon who called whites and Jews the true savages? Oh, yes, it was. That's the America I know. That's who I believe we are. And in the hours and days after Charlottesville, America's moral conscience began to stir. The nation's military leadership immediately took a firm stand. Some of America's most prominent CEOs spoke out. Political, community, and faith leaders raised their voices. Charitable organizations have begun to take a stand. And we should never forget the courage of that small group of University of Virginia students who stared down the mob and its torches on that Friday night. And it's worth mentioning that anybody who didn't take a stand in 2017 was systematically removed from their positions of power and authority in companies all across the country with hashtag me too. Thank goodness it covered up the Las Vegas shooting too. Ah, oh man, what a great movement that was. The greatness of America is that not always at first and sometimes at enormous pain and cost. We have always met Lincoln's challenge to embrace the better angels of our nature. Our history is proof of what King said. The long arc of history does bend toward justice. A week after Charlottesville in Boston, we saw the truth of America. Those with the courage to oppose hate far outnumber those who promote it. Then a week after Boston, we saw the truth of this president. He won't stop. His contempt for the U.S. Constitution and willingness to divide this nation knows no bounds. 
Now he's pardoned a law enforcement official who terrorized the Latino community, violated its constitutional rights, defied a federal court order to stop and ran a prison system so rife with torture and abuse. He called it a concentration camp. You, me and the citizens of this country carry a special burden in 2017. We have to do what our president has not. We have to uphold American values. We have to do what he will not. We have to defend our constitution. We have to remember our kids are watching. We have to show the world America is still a beacon of light. Joined together, we are more than 300 million strong. Joined together, we will win this battle for our soul. Because if there's one thing I know about the American people, it's this. When it has mattered most, they have never let this nation down. I mean, once you start on totally false premises, you can pretty much say anything. And that's what Joe Biden is going to do tonight. And if you thought maybe Joe Biden and Karine Jean-Pierre were only talking about extreme elements of the party, they want to make it clear that they're talking to absolutely everybody who is associated in any way with MAGA or Donald Trump. He's not referring to those individuals. He's talking about Republican leadership. Well, let me be be very clear. It's not just Republican leadership. It's not just that blanket, right? He is talking about an, ex, in an ex, extreme portion, an extreme uh, part of, of the party. He's been very, very clear about that. He was just in Maryland, as you all know, and he talked about Governor uh, Larry Hogan and talked about how he is a conservative Republican who does not, who is not in that bucket, right? He was very clear and he, he was very purposeful in saying that and being respectful to a conservative Republican who are not part of that extreme. So again, want to be very clear here. Uh, this is not a blanket statement. Uh, this is calling out what we have seen for some time. Uh, um, since 2017, as the president wrote about in his article, right? When you are when you are supporting an, an authoritarian figure, as we have seen, who is leading currently leading the former uh, uh, the former president, uh, you know, and and um, and saying the inciting the violence that you are or wanting to take away our freedoms, uh, you know, it, we need to say something. He's not going to shy away from that. And isn't he brave? He's not going to shy away from it. Not with this authoritarian figure leading that extreme element that's promoting all of this violence. What violence? You guys tweeted to bail out rioters. You let hardened criminals out of prison throughout 2020 so they could participate in riots. And then when they were arrested, you made sure they got right back out so they could riot again the next night. Who's promoting violence? But it's good that she's being clear and letting everyone know it actually is everyone that she's talking about. Everyone involved with MAGA is the target of this. Anyone that represents that extreme. But here's the thing. How is it possible to have the majority of a party that they will describe as representing 50% of the nation? In truth, it's actually much larger than that. 
But the majority of that is an extreme. The majority of half of the country is an extreme. That isn't possible. Just by the sheer numbers of it, it cannot be a fringe. It cannot be extreme if it actually represents the predominant views of a group that large. It's not possible for it to be extreme. You can say that the whole thing is extreme if you want, but then you would just be talking about ideas. So they're saying that we have extreme ideas, I guess, which makes us extremists, I guess. That's the only way it can make sense because there are certainly way too many of us. There are more people with us and proudly MAGA. I'm, ta- I'm not even talking about the people who won't stand up for themselves and say anything because they're still too scared after two and a half years of being systematically oppressed. I guess let's just stay safe, stay in hiding, stay safe. But the people speaking out and sharing information and getting involved in their communities and going out and voting and supporting candidates and watching the polls, that's more people than Democrats have in their entire support structure. So one thing we are not is extreme. Now, if you want to call the extreme ideas extreme relative to what? They're certainly not extreme relative to the Constitution or relative to the Bible or relative to any personal or group morality that all of us are more than happy to stand up and argue in favor of. So I'm not sure how that's extreme. We're the ones who will talk to anybody. They're the ones who exist entirely in a censorship and propaganda bubble and will not venture outside that bubble for the legitimate fear of being completely exposed. Sam Harris didn't even go outside his bubble and manage to expose himself. So how are we extreme? And of course, we are not the ones who are trying to radically change everything. And they admit they're doing that. And that's the purpose of their cause. The purpose of progressivism is to change everything and take it toward the communist utopia. They are constantly marketing. Those are radical ideas. Those are extreme ideas, changing everything in the best society in all of history is radical. And it turns out there's not actually that many people who will legitimately argue for all that stuff. They'll passively do it. They'll repeat the slogans, but they won't back up any of it because they don't know any of it. So the truth is they are a fringe in number And they are extremists and radicals in their ideas. Conservatism, by definition, is the opposite of radical. But they're not just going to go out and announce that they're extremists. They're not going to go out in the White House press room and, you know, advocate in favor of censorship or the imprisonment of their political opponents or using the justice system to persecute political opponents. They would never go up there and argue for stuff like that, except they do it all the time. They would never argue for people's property being taken away or people's rights being taken away, people's ability to move about freely or assemble or attend church. They would never argue for that stuff, except they do it all the time. They would never argue for supporting Nazis in Ukraine in a war that we have nothing to do with and where 70% of the money and weapons that we send over there at least 
just disappears out into the world of corruption beyond. Except they do it all the time. But we're the extremists. We're the fascists. We're the semi-fascists. This is ridiculous. And you have to wonder what they're planning next. Is this a distraction from something that's going to come out in the news tomorrow? And maybe they think they can talk about how America's racist all day. Maybe. Are they setting up false flag opportunities for the next 70 days until the November 8th election? Maybe. They certainly want violence in the streets. They've been setting the narratives for that. They want to paint Republicans as evil and dangerous so no one will ever let anyone else know that they're voting. Create the illusion of no support so that when they steal the election, they'll have all these stories about how the Democrats really did it. What a comeback and an historic comeback for the Democrats. And because nobody's going to go around and ask their neighbors, hey, I voted Republican. Did you vote Republican, too? How did this happen? Because they're going to be scared of being tagged with labels like Ultra MAGA and QAnon. Everybody's just going to believe another election just somehow dropped in the laps of the communists. Oh, it's inevitable. The country's just moving this way. The country wants a more progressive future without the return to the past savagery that Donald Trump represents. Remember what they used to say their permanent Democrat majority was based on. They used to say it was based on the influx of Hispanics into the country, that white Americans would become a minority. They used to announce this. They literally wanted to replace the voting population. And then while they're doing it, they claim the actual support of Hispanic and Latino communities, even though all of them are headed towards MAGA. And they recognize that, too. So I don't think we'll hear Joe Biden talking about Joe Arpaio tonight. History is being written and rewritten as you observe it. They are writing a future history of you as the Nazi, you as the fascist, you as the evil one. And Joe Biden is attempting to go out and announce that to the nation tonight. And let's check in with my former home state, California, because they've had a lot going on in the past week or so, and they are pushing narratives forward and getting the proper backlash for doing so. And the situation is developing rapidly. I think that a new battlefront in the information war is opening in California and we're going to begin seeing California politics get challenged and California politicians get challenged. And it's kind of developing really quickly. This is from CNN one week ago. California votes to ban new gas car sales by 2035. California air regulators voted Thursday to approve stringent rules that would ban the sale of new gasoline cars by 2035 and set interim targets to phase the cars out. Now, the first thing you should notice is that the headline says California votes to do this, but that's clarified in the first sentence. California air regulators voted to end the sale of new gas cars by 2035. That's bureaucrats within the state bureaucracy and all of this stuff, hopefully, and I am very confident that it will happen. 
all of this stuff will be eliminated. This isn't a real problem in my view because West Virginia versus EPA is going to have lasting consequences over decisions like this. These things will be challenged in courts. The Supreme Court has set the precedent that agencies like this, air regulators, do not have the ability to enact rules and laws like this one. The measure is a historic one in the U.S. and would be one of the first such bans worldwide. It has major implications for the U.S. car market, given how large California's economy is and that several states are expected to implement similar rules. Oh, that's so interesting. Are they all just saving the planet from the sun at the same time? Or is there some more coordination to what they're doing? Almost as if there was some higher authority who they were all obeying. But that's a conspiracy theory. No one would ever believe that except crazy people who don't understand how three masks provides incredible protection against aerosolized viruses. There's just no way this could be part of a larger plan. This is what California voters really want. And that's why they had the air regulators decide instead of putting it up as a ballot measure. This is monumental. California Air Resources Board member Daniel Sperling told CNN, this is the most important thing that C-A-R-B, O-CARB, has done in the last 30 years. It's important not just for California, but it's important for the country and the world. So they've been working on this for 30 years and they haven't fixed the environment yet. Oh, no. The board's new rules would also set interim quotas for zero emission vehicles, focusing on new models. Starting with 2026 models, 35% of new cars, SUVs and small pickups sold in California would be required to be zero emission vehicles. That quota would increase each year and is expected to reach 51% of all new car sales in 2028, 68% in 2030, and 100% in 2035. The quotas would also allow 20% of zero emission cars sold to be plug-in hybrids. Okay, so there are going to be quotas and they are going to control what the market is allowed to sell. So if, let's say, only 5,000 zero emission vehicles were sold in 2026 because no one really wants these zero emission vehicles. They just want to drive normal cars. That would mean that only 65,000 normal gas powered cars could be sold because they have to keep that quota in check. And they do attempt at least to enforce these quotas. And that's why we've had so many electrical grid disasters in the last few years, like the one in February 2021 in Texas. They had to have a certain amount of their power created by renewables, and they couldn't go over that quota, that percentage. So when they needed backup power so that people's power wouldn't be off and people would freeze to death or their pipes would freeze or their water heaters would freeze and they'd have to spend thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars getting their home back up to a livable condition because of a totally preventable power outage. They couldn't get it because of the quotas. But California is going all in. What a forward looking policy that would be. The rules would not impact used vehicles, allowing them to stay on the roads. 
The rules won't be immediate and will go into effect in 2026, Sperling said. So don't get upset now. In fact, don't get upset anytime in the next three years. Just leave it in place. And then when it starts, you're going to be upset. But the thing is, by then, it's just going to kind of be baked into the cake. There's not going to be anything you can do about it. I mean, you should have contested it while you had a chance, but you didn't because this is what California voters want, according to the California air regulators. So congratulations, California. Now you've saved the planet. But whoa, what's this? On August 30th, Tuesday, two days ago, California ISO put out a heat bulletin. Excessive heat starting tomorrow will stress energy grid. Consumer conservation likely needed this weekend to avert power outages. Starting tomorrow through Tuesday, California and the West are expecting extreme heat that is likely to strain the grid with increased energy demands, especially over the holiday weekend. Isn't that amazing how they always just nail the holiday weekends? They just always find something on the holiday weekends to make it a little terrible to remind everyone just how bad things could be at your most important moments if you don't play along and follow the rules. Now, are wealthy people going to care about that? Nope, they're just going to do exactly what they were always doing. Of course, they're going to do that. And so will most people. But most people are the ones who are going to have the power outages and most of the wealthy people will be just fine. And I say this as a person who spent many years living in L.A. and could see where the blackouts occurred. Temperatures are forecast to begin rising Wednesday, August 31st, intensifying through the holiday weekend and extending to early next week. In many areas of the West, temperatures are forecasted to hit triple digits and break records. Oh, wow. It's going to be hot in Southern California. Now, because I'm from Southern California and have an iPhone, I can pull up the Los Angeles weather just right here on my phone. Friday, 93, Saturday, 99, Sunday, 99, Monday, 97, Tuesday, 94, Wednesday, 92, Thursday, 89, and it keeps dropping. So three days of weather above 95 degrees is an excessive heat wave. Except it's not. It's totally and absolutely normal. And if we assume for a second that they're not just creating this problem out of absolutely nothing, the problem certainly is not the temperature because this temperature, again, is totally normal. So what would the problem be? Oh, it would be the electrical grid. Well, who's in charge of that? Well, California and the state politicians. And of course, all of the state bureaucracies and the regulators. They're the ones who have put the terrible grid in place and they're the ones who regulate it. In what's likely to be the most excessive heat wave in the West so far this year, temperatures in Northern California are expected to be 10 to 20 degrees warmer than normal through Tuesday, September 6th. In Southern California, temperatures are expected to be 10 to 18 degrees warmer than normal. Really? Because I just read them. So are you saying normal is 81? Is that where we are? Or maybe it's 89? Because the temperatures don't go over 99. 
And we have certainly had temperatures that high in Southern California before. I have been there when it's that hot many, many times. I used to go for lovely runs on 95 degree days and it was hot and it was sweaty, but you just get it done. And then you go back inside and everything's just wonderful because it's hot, but it's not that hot. There were just four plus straight months of a hundred plus degree temperatures in Texas. That is much more humid than California. California is a far more temperate place and everything was fine. The electricity didn't go out. Everything just worked and we survived. And their little letter goes on and on. Yesterday, this headline from Newsweek. Californians told not to charge electric cars days after gas car sales ban. California may need to take measures to conserve energy, including by avoiding charging electric vehicles to prevent strain on the state's power grid over the Labor Day weekend, officials said. A week after state regulators voted on a plan to ban the sale of gasoline powered cars. Now, is there anything special about Labor Day weekend that would use more power? Well, no, the thing we know about holiday weekends is that people drive a lot more, but most people drive gas powered cars. So what is the problem here? Oh, it's electric cars. So you're a very good person if you buy an electric car, because then you're not destroying the environment, even though electric cars are way worse on the environment than normal gas powered cars especially in the production of their batteries and the retrieval of the resources to build electric cars. And of course, we've talked about the problems with the landfills filled with wind turbine blades. And we've talked about the groundwater contamination that comes from landfills with solar panels in them. But don't worry, we have plenty of renewable power and we're going to put that renewable power right into your electric car. And the whole time, it'll all just be the cleanest thing imaginable. But here's the thing. If you want to be a really good person, you won't drive your electric car. You'll have your electric car just if you need to drive, right? But no one really needs to drive. You can work from home, commies. Don't you remember how you already did that for two years? Don't you remember how great your job was when you never had to leave the house and you could just go on like a couple Zoom calls a day and then the rest of the time you could just watch reality television? That's what you should keep doing because you're a good person and you want to help out the electrical grid so that it's there when you need it in case you need to drive. And in the meantime, you just won't drive at all. And the best part of it is that you'll be able to call all those people driving gas powered cars when you are being responsible and staying home and staying indoors and staying safe from nuclear radiation by watching the media. You'll be able to call them climate deniers and fascists and Nazis and racists, because if they're one of those things, for sure, they're all of those things. That's just part of the identity claim in the hate movement. And oh, you will feel so powerful as you tell all your friends and neighbors that you're doing your part to save the planet from the sun. And Newsweek references that notice I was just reading to you. Down further in that notice, they write, 
During a flex alert, consumers are urged to reduce energy use from 4 to 9 p.m. when the system is most stressed because demand for electricity remains high and there is less solar energy available. The top three conservation actions are to set thermostats to 78 degrees or higher, avoid using large appliances and charging electric vehicles and turn off unnecessary lights. Lowering electricity use during that time will ease strain on the system and prevent more drastic measures, including rotating power outages. You got that? Behave or you might get punished. If you don't use your electricity responsibly, we might just have to take it away from you altogether. They believe that the citizens of California are all child brains who want to be talked to and treated like children. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of those, but there's also an expiration date on this tactic because people are beginning to understand what's actually being done here. And let's just project into the future a bit. Let's say it's 2035 and now everybody has an electric car, except we still have millions of people flooding in from the border. California's population just keeps on skyrocketing because that's what California's population does. California not only has a big enough population to be the biggest state forever and keep growing, its population is so big that every time anyone gets pissed off about how California is basically North Korea now and they all move out to other states, their population is so big that they can actually populate other states and turn them blue. That's why all these battleground states exist. Everybody's been moving from California and infecting their politics in the new states. Except beyond Austin, Texas, and maybe a little bit in Nashville and a few other cities around the country, that's just not true. But let's check in with Denver, Colorado for a second. And Colorado, a deep red state in actuality, is being turned into one of their burgeoning communist utopias. And you would expect they're going to form some kind of alliance with Oregon and Washington, all of the commie places in the West that they have fully taken over. Well, they're going to unite. Denver, this is a headline from ABC7 in Denver. Thousands of Excel customers locked out of thermostats during energy emergency. During the dog days of summer, it's important to keep your home cool. But when thousands of XL customers in Colorado tried adjusting their thermostats Tuesday, they learned they had no control over the temperatures in their own homes. Temperatures climbed into the 90s Tuesday, which is why Tony Tallarico tried to crank up the air conditioning in his partner's Arveda home. I mean, it was 90 out and it was right during the peak period, Tallarico said. It was hot. That's when he saw a message on the thermostat stating the temperature was locked due to an energy emergency. Normally, when we see a message like that, we're able to override it, Tallarico said. In this case, we weren't. So our thermostat was locked in at 78 or 79. On social media, dozens of Excel customers complained of similar experiences, some reporting home temperatures as high as 88 degrees. Excel confirmed to contact Denver 7 that 22,000 customers who had signed up for the Colorado AC Rewards Program were locked out of their smart thermostats for hours on Tuesday. It's a voluntary program, 
Let's remember that this is something that customers choose to be part of based on the incentives, said Emmett Romine, vice president of customer solutions and innovation at Excel. Customers receive a $100 credit for enrolling in the program and $25 annually. But Romine also said customers agree to give up some control to save energy and money and make the system more reliable. So it helps everybody for people to participate in these programs. It is a bit uncomfortable for a short period of time, but it's very, very helpful, Romine said. So there we have it. You have to sacrifice your own comfort for the entire community because the government regulated industry that is trying to switch itself over to save the planet from the sun, they can't hold up their end of the bargain. So you want electricity, you want to use your air conditioner, but you can't because they're saying their system just can't take it. And so it's on you to preserve their failing system. And you have to do this as an act of sacrifice to the community. Now mask up or you're killing someone's grandma. Imagine this in the future. They control your thermostat. What happens when this voluntary program just becomes part of the thing you have to do to be able to get electricity from these companies? All of these companies, of course, got to fit in with the overall agenda, the Green New Deal agenda, the communist agenda. You will do what they say. You will behave how they want you to behave. You don't have a choice. If you choose not to behave, then they're going to take your electricity away altogether. But they're not going to say that. They're just going to say it's rolling brownouts or it's local blackouts based on communities putting too much stress on the grid at certain times. So it's just going to be certain times, not all the time, just certain times. Like while you're home and it's hot and all of your sacrifice will be so that these politicians and these bureaucrats can save the planet from the sun. But let's look into these politicians and bureaucrats a bit more. This is from uh, Open the Books on Substack. Open the Books is an organization, a government accountability organization who's been operating for many years. This is openthebooks.substack.com if you want to sign up for their Substack. This is the headline from yesterday. California Governor Gavin Newsom reaped $10.6 million in campaign cash from 979 state vendors who pocketed $6.2 billion. That's pretty good business, ain't it? California Governor Gavin Newsom has quietly solicited millions of dollars in campaign donations from state vendors, key people, employees, or their affiliated corporate political action committees. While progressives decry corporate money in politics, Governor Gavin Newsom has embraced the highly unethical practice of soliciting campaign cash from state contractors. Okay, you got that? He takes in the money to his campaign and then he does favors for these corporations. These corporations are awarded state contracts, often no bid contracts, often contracts that end up costing a lot more than the contracted number and the projects just go on and on and on and on and on forever. When they had a homeless housing project, a bill they passed, I believe in 
2018, if I'm not mistaken, they allotted $1.4 billion to be able to build 10,000 homeless housing units at an average cost of $140,000 a unit per unit to house homeless people. $140,000. You could go to small towns around this country and buy a nice sized house for $140,000. And those places might actually have work. They might get the homeless people off streets and away from drugs. It might allow them to be introduced to an entirely new life. Not that we all owe homeless people $140,000 for a house. We certainly do not. But think about how that money's being spent. Within a couple of years, I haven't checked this in a long time. So a year ago, a year and a half, two years ago, that number had already ballooned to over $700,000 per unit. Think about all the contractors, all the bureaucrats, all the regulators just navigating California's own regulations that they put in place. Think about how much money changed hands to make that happen. $700,000 per unit for homeless housing, but Californians can't stand up against it. What would they say? Hey, we shouldn't spend $700,000 to house homeless people. Are you mad? And people would be like, oh, really? So you don't care about homeless people? Like, are you racist? And they actually would say that. And of course, in California, their statement is anti-racist, not racist. Yes, their statement implies that all homeless people are black and brown people, but that's not racist to say it's racist not to want $700,000 of taxpayer money to go to building one unit of homeless housing. But hey, it's Gavin's world. Our auditors at Open the Books found 979 state vendors who gave $10 million $561,828 in political donations to Newsom during his 2010-2018 recall election and 2022 election cycles. Meanwhile, these companies reaped $6.2 billion in state payments. State payments. These donations represented the equivalent of more than 40% of the current cash on hand, $24 million in the governor's campaign committee as of 8-1-2022, according to disclosures. And they go through and get into the details of all these donations. They map them out. It's a great resource that you all should check out. But you literally once again have the combination of government and corporate America linking in this symbiotic relationship where one hand washes the other, the corporations help the politicians get elected so that the politicians can then fulfill the needs of the corporations and the corporations profit. And once that relationship works really well, the government can then ask the corporations for small favors here and there because the government can't themselves just blatantly violate the Constitution, or at least they didn't used to be able to. So they would need help in that, like the social media companies, for instance. The government is not allowed to censor the political speech of Americans. It says it right there in the First Amendment. But Twitter and Facebook and Google, well, those are private companies. Sure, they were funded and started by DARPA, but they're private companies. 
And sure, they have CIA influence all over them, but they're private companies. And yes, they employ former intelligence officials and former law enforcement officials who kind of coordinate the whole thing, but they're private companies. Don't you understand? So the private companies need to do the censorship. And that would only be bad if the government was asking the private companies to censor, except they also do that right from the press room of the White House. You'll remember Jen Psaki going out and asking Spotify to censor podcasters. And then Joe Rogan came out and said he was just fine with Spotify censoring podcasters and putting little warning labels on his content because Joe Rogan's got $300 million from Spotify and he can do whatever he wants. No, no, he can't. He has to censor his show all the time and he can never bring anyone from the other side on. Or maybe he's dumb or maybe he's just a big pussy. But sure enough, who started getting censored? Well, I did. And I'm sure other podcasters did as well. The White House asked for that from a private company. And then it happened. And that's only my second personal example of the government coordinating with the social media companies to censor me. My face is in a FOIA document release from last year that Judicial Watch released from the California Secretary of State contacting the PR agency for Joe Biden and the tech companies so they could make use of their portal to get information censored that was inconvenient to the regime. So I have my own proof, sure. I've always had my own proof. But now there's just proof popping up everywhere. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry put out this statement today. Missouri and Louisiana attorneys general asked court to compel Department of Justice to produce communications between top officials and social media companies. Yesterday, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt and Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry filed a joint statement on discovery disputes asking the Louisiana District Court to compel the Department of Justice to turn over communications between high-ranking Biden administration officials from the White House, Department of State, FBI, and other major social media companies. The Department of Justice has already turned over communications between a number of federal officials and social media companies, but has refused to provide communications between top-ranking officials and social media companies. It's also worth noting and remembering that the social media companies helped install the illegitimate president in the White House. And then they were promptly rewarded by high ranking executives within the social media companies getting jobs in the fake administration so they can continue the relationship between the fake administration and the private companies. Missouri and Louisiana filed a landmark lawsuit back in May that seeks to expose how top Biden administration officials allegedly colluded with social media companies to censor freedom of speech on a number of topics, including COVID-19. We won in court in July, and the court required the Biden administration to turn over communications between federal officials and social media companies, said Attorney General Schmidt. We have already received a number of documents that clearly prove the federal government has an incestuous relationship with social media companies and clearly coordinate to censor freedom of speech. But we're not done. The Department of Justice is cowering behind executive privilege and has refused to turn over communications between the highest ranking Biden administration officials and social media companies. That's why yesterday we asked the court to compel the Department of Justice to produce those records. We are just getting started. Stay tuned. 
The communications already provided by the Department of Justice to the plaintiff states show, as the joint statement points out, a vast censorship enterprise across a multitude of federal agencies. In response to Missouri and Louisiana's interrogatories, defendants identified 45 federal officials at DHS, CISA, the CDC, NIAID, that's Fauci, and the Office of the Surgeon General, all of which are contained in either DHS or HHS that communicate with social media platforms about misinformation and censorship. The joint statement points out, but in those responses, defendants did not provide information about any federal officials at other federal agencies of whom they are aware who engage in such communications with social media platforms about misinformation and censorship, though plaintiffs had specifically asked for this highly relevant information. Defendants document production, however, reveals that such officials at other federal agencies exist. For example, their emails include extensive copying of officials at the Census Bureau, and they also include communications involving the departments of Treasury and State. Oh, the Census Bureau that comes up once again. I can't wait till we find out what the actual population of America is. And at this point, if you think it's actually 330 million or above real legal Americans, you are insane. Census manipulation, population manipulation is what allows for the voter registry manipulation, which is what allows for the election fraud. Beyond the Department of Justice's production, Meta, for example, has disclosed that at least 32 federal officials, including senior officials at the FDA, the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. Oh, wow. The U.S. Elections Assistance Commission and the White House have communicated with Meta about content moderation on its platforms, many of whom were not disclosed in response to plaintiffs interrogatories to defendants. YouTube disclosed 11 federal officials engaged in such communications, including officials at the Census Bureau and the White House, many of whom were also not disclosed by defendants. The joint statement continues. The discovery provided so far demonstrates that this censorship enterprise is extremely broad, including officials in the White House, HHS, DHS, CISA, the CDC, NIAID and the Office of the Surgeon General, and evidently other agencies as well, such as the Census Bureau, the FDA, the FBI, the State Department, the Treasury Department, and the U.S. Election Assistance Commission. And it rises to the highest levels of the U.S. government, including numerous White House officials. Defendants have objected to producing some of the most relevant and probative information in their possession. This censorship enterprise is proven by the Department of Justice's productions thus far, but the full extent of federal officials collusion with social media companies on censorship is unknown until the Department of Justice produces further communications requested by Missouri and Louisiana. That is incredible, isn't it? A full on censorship regime being orchestrated by the illegitimate administration at the behest of of those who run the illegitimate administration in the overall global communist order. It is not hard to see what this is. I've been talking about it for years and years. This is not a conspiracy theory. 
This is not some wild idea. This is not some small problem that only exists for a handful of people. This is how they are running society. Their highest priority is full control of the information stream. That is what they have always wanted. That is what every censorship and propaganda regime has ever wanted. Only false information. They can change the story anytime they want. In their story, you're the bad guy and they're saving the world every time. History's written by the winners. But let's go on because Congressman Jim Jordan released this letter today from the Congress of the United States to Mark Zuckerberg. Shortly before the 2020 presidential election, Facebook suppressed an explosive New York Post article detailing how Hunter Biden used the position and influence of his father, now President Biden, for personal gain with the apparent awareness of President Biden. We wrote to Facebook at the time with important questions about Facebook's knowing suppression of First Amendment protected activity. In March 2022, after other outlets finally acknowledged the veracity of the Biden family's influence peddling scheme, we wrote again with additional questions about Facebook's actions to suppress critical election related information. Facebook has never provided complete responses to these letters and in the months since has avoided any real accountability for its actions in interfering with election related public discourse. That is. Facebook, the private company, and Twitter, the private company, censoring and manipulating the information stream at the behest of the global communists to put their little idiot pawn in power. The fake president himself, Joe Biden, who I have named back in February, Idiotler. But after his fascism speech tonight, I'm sure that will be even more obvious and more appropriate than it ever was back then. Because, hey, I say things earlier than other people. That's just how it is. If only I was wrong a lot more than people's reactions at the time I say things might somehow be justified. Recently, you describe how Facebook's censorship of the allegations about the Biden family before the 2020 election followed a message from the Federal Bureau of Investigation that Facebook should be on high alert for, quote unquote, Russian propaganda. You acknowledge that this official alert from the FBI is what led to Facebook reducing the circulation of the posts reporting on its platform, preventing Americans from fully understanding highly relevant allegations about President Biden's awareness of and involvement in his family's influence peddling scheme. Accordingly, we write to request additional information about Facebook's actions to interfere in free and fair election-related public discourse. And let's remember, while we're talking about how the platforms manipulated election-related discourse, Mark Zuckerberg himself also donated half a billion dollars to rig elections all around the country. Much of that being run by the Center for Tech and Civic Life that was run by Obama campaign manager David Pluff, who literally wrote a book about how to beat Trump in 2020. He designed the steal. But back to the letter. We have seen in recent months how some in government have sought to use big tech to censor divergent viewpoints and silence opposing political speech. Government-driven and big tech-implemented censorship 
suppresses freedom of speech and free thought online in ways that harm public discourse. Facebook's suppression of the Post article and allegations of Biden family corruption, highly relevant to the 2020 presidential election, following guidance from the FBI is highly troubling. For these reasons, we request, in addition to responses to all outstanding requests from our October 14th, 2020 and March 31st, 2022 letters, that you produce the following documents. Isn't that amazing? They still have unfulfilled requests from October 14th, 2020. A few weeks later, the election happened. They knew it was only a few months until the communists swept into power, and then they would never have to answer anything. But here we are two years later, and people are still asking the questions. Facebook hasn't responded. Will they have to eventually? That's the question. And here's what the letter from these representatives is seeking. All documents and communications between October 1st, 2020 and the present between or among any employee or contractor of Facebook and any individual affiliated with the FBI referring or relating to the New York Post reporting about the Biden family. All documents and communications between October 1st, 2020 and the present between or among any employee or contractor of Facebook and any individual affiliated with the Biden for president campaign or the Democratic National Committee referring or relating to the New York Post reporting about the Biden family. All documents and communications between October 1st, 2020 and the present between or among any employee or contractor of Facebook and any individual affiliated with the FBI referring or relating to purported election misinformation in the 2020 presidential election and all documents and communications between October 1st, 2020 and the present referring or relating to Facebook's plans to implement or its actions based on the FBI's message to be on high alert for election misinformation. Please produce all documents and information requested above as soon as possible, but no later than 5 p.m. on September 15th, 2022. Furthermore, this letter serves as a formal request to preserve all existing and future records and materials relating to the topics addressed in this letter. You should construe this preservation notice as an instruction to take all reasonable steps to prevent the destruction or alteration, whether intentionally or negligently, of all documents, communications, and other information, including electronic information and metadata that are or may be responsive to this congressional inquiry. This instruction includes all electronic messages sent using your official and personal accounts or devices, including records created using text messages, phone-based message applications, or encryption software. So basically everything. Give us absolutely everything about your communications between your private company and these government and global communist aligned organizations and people that dealt with the censorship of Americans, the suppression of election related discussion and your efforts to suppress stories about the Biden laptop and good for Jim Jordan. We're past the point now where we can say, oh, they'll never get this stuff, right? I get that in May, 2021 right? It's not going to get enforced. The committee leaders and the minority leaders, the ranking members, I should say, they can write these letters till the cows come home. They're not going to get anything. 
Well, they're going to be back in power real soon. Four months remain in this year. At the beginning of next year, a new Congress and a new Senate is sworn in and both will have Republican majorities. And then all of this has some weight behind it because they can bring these people in for hearings and those hearings will be run by MAGA Republicans. We will have new leadership in the Senate. It will not be Mitch McConnell and people like Jim Jordan and Jim Banks and Thomas Massey and Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're going to have actual power to ask actual questions and get to the bottom of all this because this illegitimate government that far too many people in our society just pretend is actually legitimate so that they can get their way or not upset the balance or not have to leave the party of false decorum. Everybody pretends that the lie is actually true because the lie serves them in some small way or they're just too scared is in direct and flagrant and widespread violation of the First Amendment of our Constitution, the one that guarantees free speech. We know what the regimes of the past have done. One of the first things we think of with actual Nazis and actual fascists is the censorship and the propaganda and the burning of books. And that's just where these people started. We've seen them do medical experimentation, forced medical experimentation, including on children. We've seen them attempt to segregate. We've seen them attempt to close churches. We've seen them attempt to burn down churches. We see them attempt to divide by identity characteristics. They participate in eugenics right out in the open. And now they just add in technology and call it transhumanism. They are hell bent on global domination. They are creating food shortages and famine. They supported actual Nazis and funding of Nazi armies in Ukraine and denied that they were doing it. And that was only the most recent example of something they do that mirrors historical fascism and communism and Nazism. And Joe Biden the fake president, the illegitimate banana republic dictator who just happens to be doing that clown job in our country is going to go out and call us fascists. And a whole lot of people are just going to take it because they're scared and they don't want to upset anyone or make anyone feel uncomfortable because who knows what punishment might come then. And they've already promised you that if you behave, they'll stop beating you. Now, once again, get back in the house. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.CancelCouture.com. 
And you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble, and bit shoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!